You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Her Money is supported by Fidelity Investments. Together, we're here to empower, educate, and encourage women to start talking about money. Discover more at fidelity.com slash it's time. Her Money comes to you through PRX. Hi, I'm Jean Chatsky, and welcome to Her Money, our show about money by women for women, because we noticed that when we were looking for content for women about money, there was just a lack of information out there. And this is something so important. We have to get on the bandwagon, and we have to make this conversation a continuing one in all of our lives. We have a fun show coming up for you today. Renee Seiler, who many of you know from her years at CBS This Morning and also as the Good Enough Mother, is in the studio with me. We're also going to take your questions on credit card debt and paying off your student loans. But before we get there, I just wanted to tell you a quick story about my shoes. Interesting that I'm talking about shoes because I'm, I'm wearing a pair of shoes that I told Renee when she walked into the studio and complimented me on them are, are a pair that I've actually had for many years. I put them on about once a year, at which point I realized that they're not especially comfortable, and I file them away in the closet because they are very, very pretty. But um, you shouldn't wear them to walk around the city. That's just an aside. The shoes that I want to talk about are a different pair of shoes. I had a segment a couple of weeks ago on the Today Show where I started talking to Savannah Guthrie about some important financial subject, mortgages, as a matter of fact, and my heel got stuck in the set. We have a turntable at the Today Show so that the anchor desk can rotate, and I stepped into the groove, and I couldn't get out, and I needed to be able to move so that I could swipe across Al's weather monitor and make sure that all the information popped up to the top. And in that moment, I almost panicked, But I didn't quite panic because I remembered many, many years before being on the set with Bryant Gumbel. It was one of my very first times on the Today Show. And Bryant sat down across from me in the chairs and looked like he was in incredible pain. And I said, what's up? And he said, I have a leg cramp. And if I get up during the middle of this segment, just keep going going. And for some reason, when my shoe hit the groove in the turntable, I heard Bryant telling me to just keep going. And so I kicked off the shoe, and I went through the segment, and at the end, Savannah, bless her heart, took off her own shoe in solidarity. And I come home, and on my Facebook page is a nice message from Renee Seiler saying, way to go. That was perfect. And I just got to tell you, Renee, that getting that kind of feedback from you was incredibly meaningful. So thank you. Well, I watched it live, and I was like, wow, look at her go. You didn't even skip a beat. You know know when you're on the air and your brain just is— 
on autopilot. Matt Lauer once told me you will never sneeze on television because <laughs> you're just, you're not going to sneeze. You're not going to cough. You're not going to sneeze because your brain won't allow you to do that. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think that's the zone I was in. Yeah. No, it was good. I, I remember I was watching it on a big screen. I said, I saw exactly what happened. I saw the whole <laughs> thing. I know Have after spending years in a studio, I know what was going on. Your heel was stuck in that little team. But you know what? The thing was, you got all the information. It was almost like the segment couldn't have gone any better. <laughs> you still got the important stuff out, and the, and the shoe getting stuck was really like an aside. But but you really stuck with the information, and that's what that that's what a professional does. Well, or or somebody who's had a little too much caffeine. But I appreciated <laughs> I appreciated the the little note on Facebook. So so thank you. So you've been. Um, You've been doing your own thing for about eight years now, right? Yeah. Since... Well, yeah. So I've been. I left CBS. Um, you know, it's been renamed so many times. But when I was on it, the it was uh, the early show on CBS, and that was in two thousand six. So it's been ten years. This I left in December of two thousand six. So it'll be ten years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And and the Good Enough Mother came along. Did it come out of that experience? I, I have to say that this is a concept that makes me feel better about myself and my life and my parenting skills on a regular basis. Oh, so thank you for that. But where, where did it come from? Well, I'm glad we could help. <laughs> you know what? Um, well, it, it came from the fact that I was, you know, raising my own two children and I was a working mother and like so many working moms and I was struggling with guilt and trying to do it all and to be all things to all people and realizing that I really couldn't do it all, at least all at the same time and all really super well. So I knew that something was going to have to give. And so I kind of approached parenting like I do life, which was, you know, I'm going to, it's like triage. I handle the thing that's the most important first. And I would just do my level best because you really can't do more than that. And I understood that I would do my best and that my best would have to do. I understood that um, I need it, something about being a parent makes you get really super focused on the things that are important or, 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 sh- or you should focus on the things that are really important and let everything else go. And I came to this concept and this idea that I really was going to parent for the people who lived in my house, <laughs> the ones that I had actually given birth to. <laughs> and I wasn't going to really worry too much about what everybody else thought. And that, I think, is what you're talking about, about the freeing concept of it. When you finally are just going, you know what, this is this is it. I'm not, I, I really don't care what anybody else thinks. I don't care that I'm not, you know, I didn't get invited to this party or that I forgot to dress my kid for picture day or, or whatever it is that, you know, you, you realize the stuff that you need to, to sweat over and the stuff that, you know, you just kind of let it roll off your back. What impact has that had on your career coming to that resolution? Well, I ended up coming up with the idea for Good Enough Mother before I ever left CBS. Um, I, in fact, had sold the book, and the book was um, already in galleys when I when I got fired. And I always talk about getting fired from CBS because I feel like people don't say they want to speak euphemistically about it. I was let go or I was laid off. You know what? I was fired. Fired, 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 fired. We have all been fired. Exactly. By the way, I was fired from Money Magazine. Fired. <laughs> Boom. We're going to give each other a high five right across the table. Because you know what? I earned my stripes in that. And and it was a difficult time. But I, I felt like it was important for me to own that. And there was power in owning my own authentic story. So I never speak about, oh, I was laid off or I was uh, let go or talk about it euphemistically. I just say I was fired. But at any rate... 
the book was in galleys when I lost my job. And there was a lot of stuff going on. I, you know, I'm the daughter of two breast cancer survivors, so I had made this really super big decision to have a preventive mastectomy. And that was going to happen in January of 2007. And in December of 2006, I got fired. So I had lost my job in 2006, and then I, you know, lost my breasts a month later. And, you know, you would think, oh, gosh, that's so awful. And then um, a year later, after Good Enough Mother came out, I was out on a book tour, and I got sick on a plane, and I ended up hospitalized. And I I was pumped full of chemicals, and the chemicals interacted with the—I mean, I was pumped full of medication, which counteracted with the chemicals that I was using to straighten my naturally curly hair, which is the way a lot of African-American women wear their hair on television, and my hair fell out. So it was like in three years, I lost my job. I, I'm In two years, I lost my job. I lost my breasts. I lost my hair. And then I found myself. That's my elevator pitch right there. I had a hair moment with Oprah. <laughs> I, I was doing the debt diet series mm-hmm. for her, and I was coaching um, a, an African-American couple, but mostly a woman who I'm proud to say has just become this force and now coaches other people about how to get out of debt. But we had a showdown in her hair salon where I was trying to convince her that maybe she didn't need to straighten her hair as often. And she was telling me that I knew absolutely nothing about what I was speaking. (laughs) And, uh, and it was, I mean, it was one of those moments that I remember, but other people remember and come because it's 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 big. I mean, I, I can yeah. I can remember having meltdowns about my sure. hair in in junior high and high school and yelling at my mother to please get rid of the bumps and uh, <laughs> hair is hard. Well, you know, it's funny because I'll go out and give these speeches and I'll tell people the same story I just told you that I lost my job and I lost my breast, but the biggest reaction is what you say and is then I lost they... my hair and they're all like, "Oh my god, what did you do?" I'm like, "Okay, maybe you guys didn't hear the part about losing my breast, but yeah, that let's go back to that for just a second. It's crazy, but that was the at that point I decided that that was a real turning point. And I think that everybody in their life and career has a, has a moment, maybe more, maybe more than one, where they say, I'm not going to do this anymore. And in my head, I, you know, I had a young daughter who, you, you know, you, you met her, Jean, you know, with her beautiful curly hair. And she, you know, I was here, I was beating, you know, the hell out of my hair with heat and chemicals. And, and I had this daughter who had this beautiful head of hair, and she was like, can I straighten my hair too? And I was like, absolutely not. And I thought, I need to I need to not do this anymore. So I said, that's it. No more chemicals, no more straightening, you know. And if that meant never having another television job again, I was okay with it. But that was my line in the sand. I said, I'm never doing that again. Seven years later now, I've been, my hair's been natural for seven years, and this beautiful curly, amazing, strong, head of hair grew back. And I was like, where has that been all my life? You it's know? beautiful. And and I love it. And I feel like for the first time in my life, my hair matches, you know, me, the, the inside 
matches the outside now. I, I want to talk about reinvention and mm. how coming back from those big losses, mm-hmm. you have crafted a very successful career, which is what so many women are are doing these mm-hmm. days. But before we do that, I just want to tell everybody that Her Money comes to you from Fidelity Investments. And Fidelity is focused on helping women like all of us take charge of our financial lives. We deserve to live the lives we've worked so hard for. So visit fidelity.com slash it's time. You'll find more conversations like this one with Renee Seiler, information about how to manage your money during life's biggest events and most challenging times, whether you're getting divorced, getting married, starting a new career. And again, that is fidelity.com slash it's time. So we are here with Renee Seiler and her beautiful daughter, who is who is listening and I think doing her homework. Is she doing her she, homework? No, she's actually working for me. I put her to work for me. That's <laughs> so. awesome. Is she doing your social media? No, she's not. I, I actually handle all that. I, I do that. But I, I get tempted to have my kids help me out with my social media. How did you come from that place and, and regroup financially and business-wise? You know, I would love to sit here across from you and tell you that I have regrouped and that I have it all figured out and that everything's great and the money is rolling in and that I can't get out of the way of it. But that's just not true. You know, I mean, it's it is a struggle. And and the one thing about Good Enough Mother and about all the things about me and all the things that I've done and I'm working on is I really believe in being authentic. I'm not going to hide. I, you know, I've, I've struggled with some stuff lately. Um, you know, we're Facebook friends. You know what they are. Um But I'm really not interested in a facade. I really think that there's power, as I said, in owning your authentic story. So part of my story is that, you know what, reinvention is hard. Because if it was easy, everyone would do it. Mm-hmm. When, when you talk about, you just said, you know, live the life that we deserve to live. I think that we all deserve that. But I think a lot of times we're fearful. We're, we're afraid of success. I believe people are more afraid of success than they are of failure. Um, like they somehow don't believe it. But at any rate, um, it has been an unbelievable struggle. And... Uh, and I'm just like telling I'm just telling the truth. It's 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 you you work all the time. I work harder now at 53 than I did at 23. Well, I think what people don't understand <clears throat> about people who are part of this gig economy and and I'm I'm there with you. I mean, I I don't mm-hmm. have one job. I have 10, mm-hmm. right? Is it it often feels like you're throwing a lot of spaghetti against the wall to yeah. see what sticks. Yeah. You know, I Last week, uh, took one day off. I, I haven't. I, I marked this. <laughs> I, I, you not only took a day off, you posted about yep. it on Facebook, and you were like, "I'm, I'm unplugging. Yep. I'm going for a bike ride." Mm-hmm. How was that? I have never done that. I haven't done that since I got on Facebook uh, eight years ago, or how, whenever Facebook first came. But I needed. I felt like I was losing it, and and I don't like to feel like I'm losing it. And I, I almost feel like. I'm supposed to I'm good enough mother. I'm supposed to have all the answers. Well, I don't have all the answers and I'm tired. And I'm frustrated and there's a lot of stuff going on. And so it was you know, I needed that for my own personal and mental health and not just mental health, emotional health, even my like I just needed to breathe. I needed to be I needed to have a bike ride. I needed to go listen to the ocean. I was in South Carolina. I needed to build a a um a jigsaw puzzle. I needed to have um, a mimosa with my brunch, I, mm-hmm. you know, out on the patio. I needed to—those were not things that I wanted to do. Those were things that I actually needed to do so that I could have a well-rounded and well-balanced um, life. 
And I don't do that enough. And I've decided there were a lot of things that came out of that gene, interestingly enough. Number one, the amount of time that my my phone lasted, the battery on my phone lasted. <laughs> That's the first it's thing. It's amazing. I was I was like, what do you mean I still have 72% battery? But but more than recharging my phone, I recharged me. And it, for me, I'm a creative. And when you are taxed to the limit, it, it, it saps your creativity. So as soon as I unplugged, I started thinking about something. I came up with like three show ideas. But it wasn't until I was, everything else was off that I was able to to bring that that in. So it was awesome. I'm going to do I'm going to try to do it like two or three times a month. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> you you had um and I want to hear about this show for people who haven't caught your show yet. Mm-hmm. It comes to you from Renee's closet. Right. And that is kind of all you need to know, right? I mean, talk about being authentic. I don't know that I would let people in. My closet is it, it my closet alternates between being very nice mm-hmm. and being a total pigsty. Yeah, well, mine's a pigsty most of the time except for when we are filming. But yeah, I um after I left CBS, I had a couple of other jobs and one of them was um a vacation travel show called Sweet Retreats. And the team that I I was with at Sweet Retreats is the team behind uh, Good Enough Mother the series which is now, it's a web series, and you can see it on YouTube. You can see it on my channel and things like that. And um, that's one of the things that I love about this. I love that you are sitting here. You and I are sitting here in a studio with your own brand, this thing that you built with your name on it. Um, And it's the same thing with me, same thing with Good Enough Mother. That was the whole point of building it. And I used the only things I had, which were my closet, my ability to write, um, my tenacity, you know, things like that. And I built an entire brand. I didn't have anybody. I didn't have any investors. I still don't. <laughs> um, you know, I'm just doing it all. I'm doing it all myself. But it was important to me, Jean, after I got fired. When you get fired, it's, it's that thing you go, I'll never, ever, 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 ever be in that situation again. Mm-hmm. And I said, I will never again let someone, one person, upend my life the way, you know, the way that it happened when I left CBS. And so that's when I started building Good Enough Mother. And um, it's been long. It's been, I, you know, I trademarked everything. It's been this incredibly long, arduous process. But I know that I built something that nobody can take away from me. It's and, yours. And that's important to me. You had a guest on the show recently who told you that you have to decide mm-hmm. before you can move forward. Mm-hmm. That was that resonated with me. Tell me and 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 wrap your own advice around it because I I know that we've got a ton of women listening mm-hmm. who want to do something else. Yeah, how do you decide to do that? So along with what well, you you mentioned gig economy and I have to go back for a second because along with good enough mother I'm also part owner of a women's fitness facility I've been all of a sudden at 53 I've decided you know what I'm going to do some shows and but it shows I don't mean burlesque I mean like you know fitness type things um but one of the things that we always tell these women is is you you've got it's a women's fitness so specifically for women um, it's called lady max sports F- sports and fitness but one of the things that you have to do is you start with intent you, you decisions, motivation, all of those things don't just, it's not something that you stub your toe on as you're walking. It starts with intent. The woman you're talking about was Gloria Mayfield Banks, and she was on our show. And we were talking about making a decision because a lot of times what we see in not just life, but in, you know, health and dieting and weight loss, all this stuff, people are paralyzed. And by, money. And money 
by analysis. They will look at something 57,000 different ways and, uh, and angles, and then before you know it, the moment is gone. I personally feel like it's important to make a decision. I'm not saying jump without doing your due diligence. However, at some point, you're going to have to do it. Just do it. And if it's the wrong decision, I think what keeps people from making decisions is they're afraid of making a mistake. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that anything is a mistake. I believe it's a learning opportunity. And you can always, always course correct. But you have to start. I always say you can't steer a still ship. Yep. You have to go. You got to go in some direction. And then if it's the wrong direction, you track back and you get back. But how do you know what doesn't, what works if you don't know what doesn't work? Well, and it makes, it makes double sense if something can make double sense where it comes to money when where investing is concerned and that's where women have trouble diving in um generally there are no right answers there are no perfect answers there are a lot of good answers mm-hmm. and there are a lot of good enough answers yeah absolutely and and i think when you get comfortable with that when you realize that uh, you know, it it may not be the right one at the time, but it may not be the wrong one either. Maybe it's just the okay one, the good enough one. And maybe the next one will be better because after you make that decision, then you're like, okay, I'm not going to do that again because here was the data that came from that. You know, you live and you learn. People, gosh, I, just, I can't think of anything worse than just sitting there looking at everything and thinking, I wished I'd made a decision or I wished I'd done. I wished I, there's nothing worse than that. Just, just try, try something. Renee Seiler, you're amazing. Um, <laughs> well, I try. <laughs> we have to ask you our our, our short-form Proust questionnaire question. Okay. Power, fame, love, or money? Rank, <gasps> order them. Power, fame, love, or money? Okay, love first, first of all. Okay, power, fame. What was the other one? Power, fame, or money. Power, fame, or money. Okay, so then I would go love, money, and fame. And I would buy a private island and live live there <laughs> with the people I love. I'm really not. I don't need to be famous. I don't. I don't really. That's not my thing. So love, money, fame, power. Or are you putting power? in Oh, the did I put power? I didn't have power. You know what? I'll take power. Can go right. Power can go at the end. Okay. But I would take love definitely at the top. Absolutely. Yeah. We, uh, please come back. You're, oh, absolutely. And where sure. can we find you? Oh, um, you can find me at goodenoughmother.com. Thank you so much for being my guest today and sharing this wonderful advice with our listeners. I really appreciate it. Interesting. I think that Renee Seiler was the first of our guests to put power at the end of the list. I just like seeing where people shake out with this question. It's fascinating to me, if to nobody else. In any case, we are in the studio. Kelly Hultgren, our associate producer, has joined me. She's got your questions. Kelly, what do you have? I do. At Raylene4 asks, do you offer small business advice? I guess it depends what the small business is asking. But in a general sense, yes. And, and in part, that's because I am a small business. I, I have a company. Um, I run a small company. I have several employees. I have approached building my brand in the shadow or in the shelter of building this small business. My one most important piece of advice for small business owners is not to neglect your financial life in um, deference to your business. And essentially, a lot of small business owners believe that their business is their retirement plan. It's not. 
you really have to be saving and funding IRAs or SEPs or some other vehicles that can carry you into retirement. And if you are looking for more pointed, more regular small business advice, I'd say check out my friend Melinda Emerson um, at Small Biz Lady on Twitter. She has a weekly Twitter chat and lots of wonderful, wonderful small business content. So that's where I would send people. She's fun, too. She is fun. She's so much fun. And before we jump to a next question, I have a follow-up to that. Can the new MyRA, is it called MyRA? Mm-hmm. Are those good for small business owners, or is that for other people? If you're a small business owner and you want to help your employees get into a retirement plan, a MyRA can be a decent vehicle to use. Okay, great. Our next question is on Facebook. Karen writes, hello, Jean. I have been enjoying your podcast. Thanks for doing them. Oh, thank you, Karen. My granddaughter just turned 13 and comes from a family that doesn't handle money well at all. I'm saving for her college and wondered if you might have a book you could recommend for her age to help her plan for her future, learn to save money, etc. I recommend the one I wrote. I, <laughs> you weren't, um, you didn't write this to me looking for a, a personal plug, but I'm going to send you a book. So there we go. It's called Not Your Parents' Money Book, and I wrote it for kids right at your granddaughter's age in that middle school range because I felt like there just wasn't enough information for those kids. So Karen, hop back on Facebook. Send me your address, and we will get a copy of Not Your Parents' Money book out to you and your granddaughter. In addition to your book, what are some of your suggestions to get her going? So it's a little harder for the grandparents to step in than for the parents to step in. But I I do believe that kids learn to manage money when they have money. And so what I'd say to Karen is— Sit down with your granddaughter the next time that you are giving her money and have a conversation about how to spend some of it, save some of it, and give some of it away. And just opening the door to the fact that there are so many options should help lead your granddaughter in the right direction. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. And thanks, everybody, for your questions. If you've got something on your mind that you want to talk about, you can tweet it. At me, I'm at Jean Chatsky. Send it to me over Facebook, or you can go to jeanchatsky.com. And it's time for our Thrive segment this week. If you have gone from an empty nester to a, well, not so empty one, you're not alone. Today's segment is inspired by a new piece of research from Pew that shows that nearly one in three millennials, 32.1% to be exact, live at home with mom and dad. And sure, we have heard statistics like this one before, but this is the first time that this number is greater than the percentage of young adults who live with a spouse or live with a romantic partner. Why is that? Well, mainly because millennials are choosing to settle down romantically later in life, i.e. after 35 than prior generations. But whether you've got your kids back under your roof or whether they never left, helping them achieve financial independence is a must. And so it's important to know that when it comes to learning about money, Millennials actually want to hear it from you, their parents. So here are three ways that you can help them launch. One, do it with them, not for them. Earlier research shows that 
even if your kids have full-time jobs and are making money, doesn't mean they know what to do with that money, especially where their savings are concerned. So sit down with them and ask what they think they could be doing to put away more money for the future and make suggestions like automating their savings into a separate savings or retirement account. But again, do it with them, not for them. Two, make a list of goals. As soon as your kids move back home, you should together work toward a time that they are going to move out. Consider it goal number one. And then help them figure out how much money they're going to need to amass to make that happen. How much are they going to need to set aside for a security deposit, first and last month's rent, and an emergency cash cushion? And finally, don't let them off the hook completely. Letting your kids move back home is a huge financial gift, but they still need to understand what it will take to live independently and to be footing some of those costs that they're accruing, like their cell phone bill or their car insurance. Only when they're paying for it themselves will they start to understand what it means to keep their data under control and take care of their car. Okay, so we put it all together. If and when your kids move back home, don't expect them to have the skills necessary to manage the money they're making, help them learn and set goals to work toward financial independence, and as for asking them to ante up for the rent, utilities, or other household expenses, that's up to you. Some parents do this, and then they save the money that their kids pay them to help the kids get off on the right foot when they eventually do launch. One tip, if you decide to do this, don't tell the kids. A big thank you to Renee Seiler for a wonderful conversation. I'm looking forward to catching up even more with Renee for lunch in both of our neighborhoods in the near future. Coming up next week, I sit down with a woman that I am just honored to call a friend, but also a mentor. Jane Bryant Quinn was the first woman to really make her way in the personal finance space. She is an amazing reporter. She's a wonderful writer. She's a very clear thinker. And to this day, when I am unsure of an issue, I always go online and see what Jane has to say about it because she consistently is able to point us in the right direction. So I'm looking forward to talking with her. I hope that you all will tune in then. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks once again to our sponsor, Fidelity. We are grateful for your support. Thanks to Track Tribe for providing our music and to PRX and to the folks at CDM where we do this podcast. We always appreciate your help. Please come back and join us again next week. Mm-hmm.